From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg and grab a stool. Come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. Uh, once again, I am broadcasting from the little studio beneath the stairs tonight up in Thornhill, north of Toronto. Uh, Ian is behind the big audio board. Ryan is producing the live stream from his lair in deepest, darkest East York. Albert is on assignment again tonight. Captain Randy Kramer is standing by to discuss the secret space program, among other things. And uh, he is here for the full two hours and uh, I will invite you to call in with questions and comments in the second hour. Don't call before then. Uh, otherwise, you'll be on hold for a while. And so save your questions uh, for Captain Kramer until the second hour. And besides, you're going to want to hear what he has to say for at least the first hour before you comment. And I can pretty much guarantee what he has to say will blow your socks off. Incidentally, Captain Kramer, uh, I'm not sure if we have reached you back in studio. Uh, we have been trying to reach you on your cell phone. I know you're participating in the live stream so we can see you uh, in the uh, in the live stream, your video. But we also need you to be on the phone. So if you can hear this. We need you to pick up your cell phone and mute your computer. Mute your computer. I know that uh, Ian back in studio is trying to raise you on your cell phone. All right. Uh, while Ian is busy trying to reach Captain Kramer, I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to me on Coast to Coast Friday night, Saturday night. Uh, last night, uh, actually into this morning, Sunday morning, author Steve Ubaney was uh, here or was with me for the full three hours. And uh, Steve is writing a series of books called the Who Murdered series. Who Murdered Elvis was the first one uh, that came out back in August. And last night on Coast, uh, we discussed the Who Murdered FDR book. Who Murdered FDR. And um, I tell you, that caused quite a stir. <laughs> so we're going to get Steve Ubaney. Uh, on the conspiracy show as soon as we can. And, uh, so for you history buffs, stay tuned for that. Steve Ubaney, who murdered FDR? This is likely going to change everything you think you know about FDR and how he died. Um, okay. Now, I'm just getting a message here from, uh, Captain Kramer. He says he can't call Canada, Ian, if you're listening. And, um, but we should be able to call you and we do have your cell number. So we will, uh, we'll try to call you again. So, uh, strap yourselves in. My guest tonight, as I say, is a whistleblower from the secret space program who has experience with time travel, teleportation, technology, solutions, and has a contact with aliens, extraterrestrials, interdimensionals. The captain is also privy to psionic research, which provides a miracle cure that can apparently cure everything, even regenerate limbs. Uh, Captain Randy Kramer is an officer who has been given authority to address the public on behalf of the command staff of the United States Marine Corps Special Section, which was created by President Eisenhower back in 1953 as a covert military intelligence branch with specific authority over ETs, multidimensionals, non-humans, and off-world beings, uh, consortiums and collectives, uh, collectives uh, either sanctioned or unsanctioned with actionable reach of any and all global territory, 
is the product of Soldier Augmentation Project Moonshadow, a training program for children which he began at age four and later spent a 20-year off-duty world, or spent 20 years off-duty, over 17, which was serving with the Mars Defense Force. He finished his service aboard the EDF SS Nautilus under, under the command of Captain Roger P. Kirkland as a pilot under Project Radiant Guardian. Uh, and I should also point out that uh, Captain Kramer will also be at Stargate to the Cosmos Expo 2018. That's happening at the Ramada Inn. In Albuquerque, uh, Midtown, Albuquerque, New Mexico in Midtown, October 25th to the 28th. That is fast approaching. Again, Stargate to the Cosmos Expo 2018 at the Ramada in Albuquerque in Midtown, October 25th to the 28th. Now, uh, back in studio, uh, Ian, I'm, I'm sure you're getting these messages. Captain Kramer cannot hear me and we're having difficulty calling in uh, to him, uh, on his cell phone. So, uh, I'm assuming we still haven't made contact. Why don't we open up the phone lines and uh, and do some open lines until we get to uh, to Captain Kramer? And uh, Ian, if you could message Captain Kramer and uh, let him know uh, that we're trying to raise him and so forth. So why don't I give you the telephone numbers in uh, lieu of our guest four one six three six zero zero seven forty four one six three six zero zero seven forty in the greater Toronto area, and toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-744-740, 1-866-744-740. Once again, the number in Toronto, 416-360-0740, and toll-free from just about anywhere, one 866 Ask me anything, of course, keeping in mind, what is this program all about? We don't swap veal recipes, we don't talk about the weather, uh, and um, what else don't we talk about? Well, let's let's focus on what we do talk about. This is called The Conspiracy Show, after all, so The Conspiracy Show. We talk conspiracies, we talk the paranormal, we can talk UFOs, we can talk... Uh, cryptids, cryptozoology, we can talk geopolitics, uh, and the like. All right. Now, um, I'm just going to take a moment here because I think I can send Captain Kramer a message on the iChat. He can't hear us, so I'm just going to type him a message. We are working on it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, we are trying to reach you. On your cell phone, you're not picking up. That's a problem. No guest on the other end. Uh, however, we will soldier on until we can contact uh, Captain Kramer. 416-360-0740 and toll free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. Now, uh, we can talk about geopolitics. You know, this whole uh, Jamal, uh, this journalist... Uh, Khashoggi that uh, went disappearing or went uh, has vanished. We now know that he was uh, murdered at the um, the consulate, the Saudi Arabian consulate in Istanbul back in October the second, I believe. Uh, if you'd like to weigh in on what you think is happening there, uh, this has obviously far-reaching implications because it uh, it threatens obviously to 
uh, destabilize the relationship between the United States and a very important ally in the Middle East. The United States doesn't have a lot of allies in the Middle East, and the Saudi Arabians, for all their warts, are a, a vitally uh, important ally. A counterbalance, a counterbalance to uh, Iran, of course. Uh, Saudi Arabia now sort of uh, uh, strangely has come on board uh, and has sort of cozied up to Israel because Saudi Arabia is uh, obviously fearful of the uh, the Iranian influence in the Middle East. And uh, so that can make for unlikely bedfellows, if you will. Egypt, Israel, Jordan, Saudi Arabia uh, now sort of cozying up to each other because of their fear of Iran. Uh, but if, uh, for example, President Trump decides to uh, break off relations with Saudi Arabia or cancel this hundred billion plus uh, military uh, defense contract. Again, this could have far reaching implications. Will it throw Saudi Arabia, uh, into, uh, the arms of, uh, of Russia or China if they can't get the, their defense, uh, their, their, their military hardware from the United States? They will likely go elsewhere. So this is very problematic on the one hand. Uh, so while it's easy to say, well, Saudi Arabia, the, the leadership there, the monarchy, they are, they are butchers. Uh, and there's no question as far as I'm concerned, they had knowledge. Uh, something like that doesn't happen. You don't murder, uh, someone in a, uh, in a, in a consulate, uh, without having, I would say prior approval, tacit approval, uh, from, uh, Prince Salman. Now, is the United States in any position to tell the Saudis that we're not going to play ball with you unless you oust Prince Salman? Not sure that can happen. Obviously, though, <laughs> this cannot, this cannot be let go. This cannot be ignored without serious, serious repercussions. So, if you'd like to weigh in on that, we certainly can. Now, having said that, uh, I have to say that this, um, this poor soul that, that, that met his end in a most violent and brutal way, uh, you know, he's been described as a journalist. I don't think I would, I would go that far. I don't think there is such a thing as journalism in Saudi Arabia. Certainly there is no such thing as a free and independent journalism in Saudi Arabia. He was more like a propaganda minister, uh, truth be told. Now, having said that, he was, um, he was a resident of the United States, had begun writing some columns for the Washington Post, and now, now all of a sudden he, he starts to write about freedom of the press and so forth. That certainly wasn't his role uh, while he was in Saudi Arabia. Now, having said that, that doesn't excuse the horrible, horrible uh, uh, barbarism that was perpetrated against him. Uh, but I think it's important also to understand who um, who he was. So there's that. We can throw that on the pile if you'd like. But we can also talk uh, consp- other conspiracies. We can talk uh, UFOs, ETs, just about anything you like. Let's call this segment Ask Me Anything. So again, it's 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And out of town, just about anywhere, actually, one 866 866-740-4740. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett and uh, Ian back in studio. 
uh, why don't you take us into a break and we'll uh, try again to try and reach uh, Captain Kramer. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, welcome back. We are uh, soldiering on. Uh, we were scheduled to have um, uh, Captain Steve Kramer, but we can't reach him for some reason. He's not picking up on his cell phone, and he can't call Canada. So um, if you are listening, Captain Kramer, we are trying to reach you. I see him in the uh, – he was at least on the live chat a moment ago. However, uh, we're going to go to open lines until we can reach him. And let's see. We have a, a gentleman on the line from – it's John in Burlington. John, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing, Richard? Love listening I'm very, to you well, on the coast there. I appreciate that. What's on uh, your mind, John? Uh, I was just uh, curious as what you thought about the NPC meme. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. Like, I'm not well, really the, connected to social media. Like, I've learned about this actually through YouTube, you know, watching YouTube videos. Uh, and... Um, it had come up a bunch of times over the last couple of weeks, and I hadn't really noticed it. You know, just like I thought it was kind of cute. And it's kind of, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's been banned by Twitter because it's being used by uh, right-leaning trolls to bait and inflame the leftists, depicting them as NPC characters from video games who are, you know, programmed only for a certain script. Uh, right, you know, uh, right. They, they have no other response other than their programmed responses. Yes, we call that the hive mind. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was never clear on what the NPC reference was because I'm obviously I'm not a on on I'm not a computer I'm not a gamer. Um, my my children, who I now affectionately refer to as the IT department, yeah. <laughs> because if I have a problem, uh, they, they come and, and fix things. But I, I, I'm not familiar with the with NPC in terms of it, the, the the gaming context. But I I have been following it a little bit on social media. But I'm not surprised. Uh, should we be surprised? Obviously, uh, uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, despite their uh, denials, there is a huge uh, political bias at play here. I would have to agree, it, and in, in just the mainstream media altogether. Like I, for years, I used to get the a Saturday section for the New York Times because I so valued the varied opinions and points of view that they used to give, and it no longer gives that. No, so uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, However, I think, I think, I'm not sure exactly when this is going to happen, but I think the writing is now on the wall, uh, to use the old biblical, uh, reference, uh, that this situation with, uh, uh Facebook and Google and, and particularly Google, uh, playing around with algorithms, uh, filtering out conservative search results, mm -hmm. uh, Refusing to work with the U.S. Pentagon on certain projects, but then going over to China and helping yeah. that tyrannical government um, uh, spy on its own citizens. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. cannot stand. This will not stand. I'll tell you what I did um, earlier today. I was having trouble uh, with Firefox on my, my computer. For whatever reason, it just keeps crashing. And so uh, Ryan, God bless him, said, well, have you tried BraveNet yet? So... 
just be, because I had to. Uh, I had no other choice. I, I, uh, I, I, I downloaded BraveNet and I'm now using that. So there, and BraveNet, I guess, is kind of a, you know, the, the maybe the first sort of pushback against uh, Google. Oh, yeah. And there will be others. There will, yes, there will be others. There will be, well, yeah, Google is a, is a, is a, it's not exactly the same thing as BraveNet. You know, one is a search engine, one is a, a browser. But yeah. uh, there will be there will be more and more of this happening, and people will vote with their feet. At least I I pray they do. Uh, you know, there will be a, there will be an altered. Well, yes, but what I'm saying is, you know, in, in a free in a free marketplace, this is what yeah, we refer no. to as voting with your feet or voting with your wallet or however. Yeah. Sure, voting with your mind. There will be an there will be an alternative to Twitter, uh, and what would push that over the edge, of course, is you know, love him or hate him, but President Trump has tremendous power with his following. If he were to suddenly decide, I'm I'm off Twitter and I'm going somewhere else, and a number of people, uh, yeah. sort of with that, a number of influencers like that. If they decide that's it, I'm done with Twitter. That's right. Then there will be there will be uh, an alternative, and um, um, that's the solution. You know, the free market ultimately. But this virtual monopoly can't be allowed to see the the free speech thing uh, come up again. In that, you know, uh, here's an attempt at at humor, and uh, it just shows the left has no sense of humor. That's true. That's true. And I, I, I like to uh, – Dennis Prager, who I, I, I follow, I love Prager University, and I, and I think he makes an important distinction that has to be made, and that is it's, it's not the liberals. The liberals are not the enemy. The liberals no, are our friends. Classical yeah, liberalism the, 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 is the, the, the a hallmark of Western civilization. It's, it's the – yes, it's, it's, the, it's the extreme left. It's the, hey, let me call them the alt-left, since they love yeah, to use the alt-right. It's the alt-left. It's the progressives. They are the problem. You got uh, right. Not the liberals. So it's important to make that distinction. But I'm not surprised that, 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 uh, the Twitter would be, would be banning this meme or they ban James Woods because, you know, he's got a, a pretty, uh, acerbic tongue and a, a very yeah, sharp yeah, yeah. wit. It's, and, uh. It's alarming though. It, it it's Orwellian in that, uh, you know, your people's free speech being suppressed because it's not the popular speech. That's the problem, I think, really, in this country to a great degree, um, is who defines hate, you know, when it comes to hate speech. Right. There's no I legal standard. Massive uh, examples exactly. of what I would term hate speech directed at those on what they like to call the alt-right, you know, and it basically comes down to if you don't agree with the radical left now, you are a de facto Nazi. Well, but it's the, it's the, it's the speech which is least popular that needs yeah. to be defended. Exactly. That's what, That's what, what people, fails what to resonate with, with a lot of people. We have to, uh, we have to, def- we have to defend, uh, people that we disagree with. Uh, people that we even we find somewhat odious, perhaps, as long as they're not obviously you know promoting physical harm against an identifiable group, uh, then we must defend that. Uh, anyway, John, great talking to you. Thank you so much. You raised some great points, and thank okay, you for thank you, uh, for Richard, calling in. Talking to you. All right, all the best. Uh, hey, let's say hi to our friend Baji, who's checking in from Ohio, and he's a frequent visitor to the uh, the live chat on uh, the YouTube channel. Baji, welcome. How are you, my friend? How are you tonight? Thank you for taking my call. 
Yeah, along the lines of what he just said, there's an old adage that says, he who defines the terms wins the argument. Just because I disagree with you, that doesn't mean that I hate you. And when somebody allows that to be the definition of terms, they're going to hold the upper hand in the discussion. And I think it's important when somebody lays that on you to say, hey, look, nobody ever brought up the word hate. You did, you know. But I want to get to my uh, point tonight, my actual comment. Have you ever heard of a guy named Gary Kaw, spelled last name K-A-H? I have not. Who is he? He is a guy that used to work for lieutenant governor in the state of Indiana, and he has really had his finger on the pulse of the New World Order for about 30 years. He has his own website, GaryCaw.org, and you'll also find him on several videos on YouTube. And the reason why I bring him up, I think if you watched him or listened to him, I think you'd agree. I think he'd make a fascinating guest for your show. All right. Let me write that down, if I can get the lid off my pen here. Don't you just hate it when you uh, you take the lid off the pen and everything sticks to the pen? Okay, Gary. I, I, I hate it more when the pen doesn't write. There you uh, go. Gary, Gary Kaw, Kaw, K-A-H. And um, you said he Gary, he, he works? GaryKaw.org is his website. GaryKaw.org. Uh, Gary All right. I've written that down. I've made a note of it. And, and Thank you very much for the recommendation. Indiana. And he was involved in a lot of international uh, transactions and commerce, and that's how he first got on to the whole New World Order thing. And he does a very good chrono- chronology of how this thing started and how it is progressing. Excellent. Thank you so much, Baji. Great to hear from you. Good talking to you. Have a good night. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, Anna is in Toronto. Hello, Anna. Welcome. <laughs> I'm nervous. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm terrific. How are you doing? Good, thank you. I really love your show, your talk show. And I would like you to help me, please, because I know you're one of the best hosts of the radio talk show, and I love, really love your show. And before you are on 6.40 a.m. radio host, I remember. Well, I, I I used to be over there. I used to be in a number of yes. I've been all over the dial, Anna. Yes, but, sir. But now 7:40 Zuma Radio is my home. Yes, sir. And I would like to know if you are aware about the host named Spaceman, uh, previous 6:40 a.m. radio host every Saturday. Of course, uh, yes, Gary Bell. God rest his soul. What happened to Mr. Spaceman? Well, Gary Bell passed away, uh, well, I would oh. say within the last six months, tragically. Uh, Gary uh, died of cancer. Uh, oh. And prior to that, he was, uh, he was let go. Um, oh, my He goodness. said some, oh, yeah, he was, uh, he was let go from his post, so. I hope that he will rest in peace with our Lord. Oh, Lord. And I yes. really love his show, you know, because it really opened my mind to what's happening in our life today. In the our Spaceman was a, was a true original. There's no question about that. And uh, the thing I loved about Gary is that I, while I didn't agree with him on a lot of his, his positions necessarily, but that doesn't matter. That's n- neither here nor there. That's the great thing that we can agree, disagree, uh, and still be friendly. And, uh, Gary always treated me, you know, very cordially and with respect. And I didn't have a lot of dealings with him, but we'd meet occasionally at the coffee urn. Uh, but once Gary got going <laughs> on a topic, I mean, you just couldn't, you couldn't get out of his, you couldn't just leave. That would be rude. And so he would have you sort of, uh, 
I don't want to say cornered, but <laughs> he'd have your attention for about a half an hour, 45 minutes. And you, it got to the point where, you know, if I had something, you know, I had a deadline or something, I had to sort of extricate myself from that position. So, um, uh, I had to, um, whenever I met him, I always had to think of something very innocuous to bring up. Just, you know, hey, what do you think about the Blue Jays or something? Because if he got going on some conspiracy, uh, he just, he was like a pit bull on a, on a, on a pork loin and he just wouldn't let it go and you couldn't escape you couldn't escape uh, but the other thing was it was it was just fascinating listening to him so that's my um my those were my dealings with uh, gary oh. bell and yes god bless him god rest his soul anna thank you so much oh, thank you so much for taking my calling god bless my you. pleasure all right thank you anna 416-360-0740 416 416- Three six zero zero seven forty, and one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. I believe we're trying. We're still trying to reach uh, Captain Kramer, and uh, I kind of hear him in the background on the uh, the the uh, the hangout on air. So um, we're, we're going to try and reach him. So we're going to go into a break and uh, come right back. Either some more open lines, or we will reach out to Captain Kramer. Back with more in a moment. Richard Serrett on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Well, thank you all for uh, calling in during our uh, impromptu open line segment, but I understand we now have Captain Randy Kramer uh, on the line. Do we have you there, uh, Captain? Can you hear me? Yes, I am here. Excellent. Well, you know what? I can I'm going to hear you just great, Richard. Likewise, I'm going to tee this up again and, and reintroduce you, if that's okay. Uh, Captain Randy Kramer is an officer who has been given authority to address the public on behalf of the command staff of United States Marine Corps Special Section, which was created by President Eisenhower in 1953 as a covert military intelligence branch with special or specific authority over extraterrestrials, multidimensionals, non-humans, and off-world beings, uh, consortiums and collectives either sanctioned or unsanctioned. Uh, within actionable reach of any and all global territory. He's the product of Soldier Augmentation Project Moonshadow, a training program for children, which he began at age four and later spent a 20-year tour of duty off-world, over 17 of which were serving with the Mars Defense Force. He finished his service aboard the EDF SS Nautilus under the command of Captain Roger P. Kirkland as a pilot under Project Radiant Guardian. And I want to mention again that Captain Kramer will also be a a featured speaker at Stargate to the Cosmos Expo 2018. That's happening at the Ramada Inn in Midtown Albuquerque, New Mexico, October 25th to 28th. Captain Randy Kramer, welcome aboard the Conspiracy Show. How are you? Finally, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, and it's no surprise, uh, technical difficulties seem to follow me wherever I go. So I just take it in stride. You know, that's funny uh, that you mentioned that. There are a number of topics. Whenever I uh, discuss them, there are there are technical snafus. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we shouldn't be surprised at this point, however. Uh, yeah, I've had radio hosts uh, absolutely had their boards hacked in the middle of a conversation and had all the phones uh, lines cut off. Yeah. 
have then I'm unable to be able to reconnect with me. I mean, there's there's been, you know, quasi eh, we're not sure if it's gremlins or just technical difficulties to just absolute. Wow. Who's messing with this here? <laughs> so it, it, it's a range. <laughs> no doubt. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Project Moonshadow. Uh, I mentioned it briefly in the introduction. Just let's drill down on that a little bit because that's going to be very foreign to some listeners, many listeners perhaps. Tell me about that project and how you uh, were introduced to that project. I was genetically engineered from the ground up as a, I mean, really as a science project, to be honest with you. And my understanding was that in the mid-1960s, the so soldier augmentation programs, which most people refer to as super soldier programs, which is fine. I just don't like the term for a uh, list of reasons myself, so I don't use it very often, but it's perfectly acceptable if people want to. It doesn't bother me. Um, but the sort of long story short, uh, the old school way of doing it, you kind of had to break people's brains and their bodies and their psyches and shattered into a number of pieces to be able to sort of rebuild and alter personality that you then is sort of a you know snap your fingers kill on command type personality but we uh united states marine corps special section did a study and we found that that was a really ineffective way to use resource material you know thinking of personnel as resource material but it was cut their lifespan short cut their uh expectation of duty time short uh collateral damage was high so we kind of decided to go with a different method that wasn't about breaking the psyche so much as it was building it from the ground up. And that just seemed like a better use of uh, time and resources. So for that project, the first project that we did using that methodology was Project Moonshadow. And myself and 299 other uh, test subjects were engineered from the ground up and then placed into that program at essentially toddler age. Uh, to begin training in all th- things um, military, really. I mean, we've, you know, the young ages, you're not given like, you know, a rifle at age five. <laughs> you know, you can't pick one up. But you start with training programs that are designed to get young children to get good at cooperating together, playing games together, working on sort of group accomplishing skills together, the, you know, forerunning ground of what you're going to do to teach them later how to act and function as a military unit. And certainly by the time in our young adolescence, we were using small weapons, really weapons that are built for children, which is might be a little creepy to some people. It creeps me out a little bit um, that there is this, manufacture of some of these weapons that are essentially child size so that smaller children can handle them and then as you get older and your body is more full size then you can start handling the full size weaponry Um, Uh, we brought you on this this is a a short a short segment because we're going to break here in a few minutes oh yeah okay i could go on and on so i'll try and and we will and we will we've got you for the uh for the duration here but just i wanted to, to back up a little minute the idea that first of all that you were created from the ground up, what does that mean? Does that mean that you're a that you, that you were created outside of the womb? What does that mean? Uh, it means that my DNA as a sequence was uh, part of that. Part of my biological mother's DNA uh, was put into that. That part of my fa- biological father's DNA was put into that, and then it was sort of laid out into a sequence. Uh, that they wanted to use as the base sequence and then removed the things that they wanted to remove and then added uh, other codons from an extraterrestrial DNA source to 
hybridize us to make us a little bit smarter, faster, and stronger. So, were yeah, you, we were, did you have a birth mother? Yeah, absolutely. No, no, I, I was, uh, all of the sort of pre-engineering, you know, is to get a small fertilized cell that is then put into my biological mother so that I can be born and raised like any other kid in any other normal, um, you know, working class American family, which I was. But, but you were enlisted at the age of four. You had no say in the matter. I mean, that's unconscionable. Uh, we, we have some serious issues with, um, how some of this is done and a lot of how we sort of had to conduct ourselves doing these projects is because it's how other people set it up to function decades ago. And we have a lot of serious issues with that, including, uh, you know, genetically engineering children without so much as, uh, a how do you do, uh, without so much as their parents really understanding the process and with a, a lot of, just straight up legal violations on human rights violations and so forth in that process. I can say as an adult who's done my processing on the whole subject, I'm okay with it, but that doesn't mean that it's okay if I can make that distinction. So I can be okay with how I was made, how I was trained, how I was processed, how I served and where I am now. And I can, you know, because I've done my own human, you know, psychological and emotional processing on that, I can be okay with it. But by no means do we consider that it's uh, a morally or ethically acceptable way to do things. And one of the main reasons that we would like there to be a disclosure movement is so that we can start to discuss how to do these programs with a moral and ethical guidelines that they should have in them and not just this, hey, we have to get this done. And right now, you know, let's cut corners attitude, which has pretty much been the attitude, you know, for the last 70 years. Well, the, the other question is why, why such a program was ever conceived? Why do we need super soldiers? I know you don't, that, that, that word, I use it as shorthand. That's fine. Because yeah, most people fine. understand it, but augmented, yeah. Yeah. augmented, uh, soldiers. Why do we need them? Who's the enemy? Well, in the early days, we were preparing for any eventuality, any conflict that could arise with an extraterrestrial species of any kind. And knowing what little we knew in the early days, the small number of species that we were dealing with, we just knew that we needed to be prepared for just about anything and that the numbers were showing uh, that you're sort of Regular Army, you know, even regular Marine Corps, regular Navy, regular Air Corps, Air Force soldiers who had contact experiences with extraterrestrials and some of them, you know, semi-friendly, some of them vaguely hostile, um, you know, the participants didn't fare well psychologically. In fact, it tended to break more people than it did anything else because, um you really have to be much more than just mentally prepared uh, for that kind of eventuality because your frontal cortex can process that information. If you think you're ready, like I've said this before, people who say, I want to meet an alien, I want to be in the presence of an extraterrestrial, I say, no, you think you do, but you don't really. Um, I mean, if, if it was someone who looked like, who was very humanoid, who looked, you know, was real uh, uh, like any of us that could pass for a human being a terrestrial human being walking down the street that's a little different but meeting something that's really not like us 
is a shocking experience. Okay, I've got to cut in here. I've got to cut in. We've got a break. Uh, sometimes I have difficulty hearing the music under me, but we'll uh, we'll take a time. I'll come back and continue to discuss Project Moonshadow and other uh, subjects. Captain Randy Kramer, my guest, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Captain Randy Kramer is uh, with us for the uh, duration, uh, and he will be with us in the second hour. And uh, at the top of uh, the hour, uh, which is coming up shortly, we'll open up the phone lines and we'll take questions and comments uh, for Captain Randy Kramer, whistleblower. Uh, actually, I, I mean, is whistleblower even the right word? Because you've been sort of given the, the green light to start talking about this, right? So it's not like you're... You're in breach of some uh, NDO or uh, NDA, right? That's absolutely correct. It's not. I mean, it's it's one of those another one of those terms. I don't necessarily correct people if they say it, but no, it's not really accurate when talking about me because my superiors asked me directly and specifically if I wanted to be the public spokesperson for the command staff of the United States Marine Corps Special Section. So, yeah, I, I'm actually sanctioned to do what I do. And and why did they choose this time uh, to sanction you coming forward and telling us about, well, what have been highly, highly, highly classified state secrets? Why now? Yeah, the, per, great question. And the short answer is it's through a, a process of many, many data points, we have determined that it's far more dangerous Continue secrecy, uh, then secrecy protects. And so at the moment, we think the dangers of continued secrecy are far greater than the rationales for protecting the information or keeping it out of the public sphere. How does the, um, I, I love this term that, um, that uh, Richard Dolan uses, a breakaway civilization. And these are the, the people we're sure. told ha- that have benefited from uh, back engineered alien technology or technology directly, directly given to, to them by extraterrestrials. How does the breakaway civilization feel about you coming forward? And, and is, I, I get the sense that there, there is this, maybe this battle going on backstage, uh, between various, um, intelligence groups and military intelligence groups and so forth. Uh, about disclosure. I mean, is that accurate to say that, that, that not everybody is on the same page on this? That's absolutely correct. There's definitely a conflict of opinion and interest in the different, uh, areas. So the military, if you, I mean, which is really not even you, again, this sort of one bubble of, you know, when you're talking about the military organizations which participate, but even if you just lump the military organizations that participate and then you lump uh, banking and corporate uh, business interests together and you lump uh, state actors, uh, people who politically represent different countries and any other interest that may fall under that umbrella. Yeah, it, everyone's got a slightly different opinion at the moment. And we believe by the numbers we have a majority of people who just understand that disclosure is necessary to preserve civilization and life on earth you you can't preserve civilization if you push chaos too far if you push environmental destruction too far if you push economic destruction too far 
there's just all kinds of things that you can't preserve life and civilization if you go too far. And to be honest, a lot of the big players on this stage are making large quantities of money. And what some people need to understand is those people are finally understanding they don't want to break the machine to fix it because they're making a ton of money off of that machine. And if they, even as a breakaway civilization, if they broke the civilization down here, you know, the, the surface dweller civilization, if you want to call it that, uh, it would still cost them a tremendous amount of money. And so those civilizations aren't separate. The breakaway civilization and the surface dweller civilization are not entities that can be separated from one another. They're tethered like by an umbilical cord that if you broke it, uh, would damage either one or both of them severely. So I think we've made a pretty good case to get those people to understand that it's inevitable that we have to do this to preserve civilization, life on earth, and even preservation of the breakaway civilization and the higher ups of the technological uh, covert military space program as we understand it needs disclosure to survive everyone needs it to survive well that's somewhat comforting that they <laughs> the breakaway civilization they don't need to slaughter the cow just yet <laughs> or they shouldn't slaughter the cow just yet well, we, the cow yeah. being the rest of us plebes i guess <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the sir, we, 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 that's often the kinder, gentler term people call, uh, people down here, the surface dwellers, uh, and, you know, because of the people who are sort of contained onto the surface, they can't really go anywhere else. Um, and yeah, we, we think it's simply not a good idea, uh, for everybody or for anybody to do that, to just wipe out, you know, the surface dwelling civilization and, uh, lieu of some other breakaway civilization. They need each other. They're intertwined with each other. Mm. We think the case can be made to bring the surface dweller civilization up into the higher uh, parts of the advanced technology civilization and bring it all together before it just burns itself to the ground. So we should just disregard the Georgia Stones for now, I guess. <laughs> um, well, it's a, it's a guideline. The, the Georgia Stones Stones are guidelines, not predictions. So, you know, they're guidelines for different potential uh, futures by people who have an idea of what they think is right or wrong, but not necessarily what is absolutely the right or wrong, especially when you're talking about the numbers of people that we should have uh, living on planet Earth. We don't want to overpopulate the planet. That is a great way to destroy what we have here. But we also want to get everybody in on the on the picture because we have sh personnel shortfalls within the space program and we have personnel shortfalls within uh, the civilian parts of that program. And so we really think that we need everybody involved in this process so that we can uh, get the numbers of people that we need into the positions and jobs that we need them in that we simply don't have enough resources to just keep drawing from sort of this top cream of the top of smart, educated, accomplished people. You've got to start opening the doors a bit at some point to the rest of the civilization just because we need to fill more chairs than we have bodies for. And we just kind of have to start letting people uh, volunteer and take open recruitment at some point because we're just going to, we just need more people than what we can continue to do this way, the way that we've been doing it, which is through these covert programs. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Mars Defense Force. Uh, we've got about four minutes to the top of the hour, and then we'll continue after the break. But let's start the conversation now. The Mars Defense Force, you spent a 20-year tour of duty off-world, 17 of which was serving with the Mars 
uh, defense force. Uh, so how long has this Mars defense force been in place as far as you know? And, and, and what do they have in their arsenal and, and who's running it? Um, it's a contracting, it's a military contractor. So it's run by the MCC, which is the Mars Colony Corporation. Uh, and the Mars Colony Corporation is under an umbrella of the ICC or the International Corporate Conglomerate. And so they kind of, they're, they're the administrators of that um, military contractor. And they've been active since the mid to late 1970s. I know it seems like a long ways for some people who did not realize that we had uh, colonies on Mars in the mid-1970s, but we did. That was when the first colonies broke ground in 1974, 1975, I believe. And right now, I would say that the the staple of the infantry of the Mars Defense Force is a full-body powered combat environment suit which is hydraulically powered so you have you know extra sort of strength and motor power in your arms and your legs but it's also an environment suit to protect you from harsh winds temperatures etc and it's geared up to last out in the open sand uh, for you know hours and hours and hours at a time and your primary weapon is a magnetically propelled rifle railgun or a gauss rifle depending on what terminology you prefer um and so you basically with infantrymen with a really tough um set of full body armor with hydraulically powered with a gauss rifle that shoots a lot of metal rounds really fast without generating much heat or kick uh you have a pretty strong force just with that just with the sort of that is their basis but you know the actual tools that you get to use in the field come and go because it's a um, it's a hardware testing ground so pretty much our main function while we were engaging militarily with indigenous species and indigenous insectoid and an indigenous reptoid species i would hardly say that it was the truth even if that's what we were told that we were protecting the colonies from these species we were pretty much just out there fighting with the natives in order to develop and perfect military hardware using them like target practice oh i mean not i mean we used each other for target practice um so the insectoids could uh, a mass, massive swarms of smaller insects, which is quite a formidable force to deal with, believe me. And the indigenous reptoids were strong, fierce, uh, hand-to-hand fighters and incredibly psionically skilled. So they had the ability to use their minds and their evolved mental powers when they chose to, uh, in ways that could make things very difficult for us, uh, as a, fighting force to attack them directly or with so, you know things like heavy artillery at a distance so so you're um, you're uh, you're battling these uh, these extraterrestrials on the ground on Mars listen we've got to take a time out we'll come back and uh, we'll open up the phone lines as well questions and comments for Captain Randy Kramer back with more of the conspiracy show stay with us <laughs> 